Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, it's good to have you back again, brother. And um, we're going to wrap up our series on the fruit of the spirit this week. It's been a really good last couple episodes, I think. Yeah, these uh, th- these are good um, good verses for all Christians to consider in their walk. These are th- this is a good test that you can do at any time to see how you're you're doing with regards to exhibiting these fruit, and, and these are fruit that people will see in you as well. So, uh, you know, Jesus Christ said they will know you by your love for one another, and and, and certainly I think a lot of these uh, the the fruit that we see here is exhibited in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've gone through all of them. Let me just go ahead and reread our passage for guys who may just be getting this podcast at the end and have not um, gotten the previous two, but we'd encourage you to go back. So obviously we're in Galatians 5 and uh, verse 22, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law and so today we're going to talk about gentleness and self-control man those are two really Mm. good ones to talk about in the world we live in today why don't you just kick us off there brother yeah, you know, gentleness, um, and, and one of the synonyms for that is meekness. We were just talking about that. Um, uh, we could sure use a dose of this on Twitter. Um, we're, we, we can be a little bit belligerent on tr- Twitter and, and uh, just beating each other up over things. But, you know, even in our day-to-day interactions, um, sometimes we can overreact and we're harsher than, than we ought to be. I, I remember one of the last classes I took, and I think I may have mentioned this, but uh, one of my professors said that, one of his greatest mistakes in every time, all of his greatest mistakes in ministry was because he was too harsh. Mm. And so I think this is where gentleness and meekness uh, come in. Um, but it's good to understand what this means because a lot of Christians will say, well, am I supposed to be a doormat for other people? And I would say the answer is no, but I would also question whether you're thinking about this the right way if you're even thinking along those, uh, those lines. You know, and again, like you mentioned, it, and it's not just Twitter, right? Social media has the tendency to let us sort of forget our the, those um, social acceptable norms. Uh, we can kind of, you know, shove those off because we're not person to person, face to face. I'm inclined to believe that social media actually exposes more of what's really in our heart because it removes those kind of natural boundaries. Um, that that is a bit terrifying. It's a bit convicting, even uh, to myself, as I say that. Um, but you know, the what what what's in the heart comes out, and when you remove uh, some of those natural barriers that uh, keep us from saying things and doing things we shouldn't, um, which social media does, you really see, I think. Uh, a better glimpse of the depravity that's in our own hearts. And so take that for what it's worth. No, I I agree. And uh, I think of Mark chapter seven, when Jesus Christ was challenged by the Pharisees about his disciples and how they don't wash before they eat. And he made the point that, you know, what defiles you is not what comes from the outside. And in that case, he was talking about the foods that you eat. It's not the foods that you eat that defile you. Similarly, though, we can't point to other people as being the reasons for our sins. Um, We can't say that we're 
a certain way on social media because people just make us mad. Um, because Mark chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, uh, I read for, Within, out of the heart of men proceed the evil mm-hmm. thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And by the way, a lot of those are the deeds of the flesh from Galatians 5 as well. Yeah. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So I think that's a good point. I, I You know, we... We will often say things, and I have to remind myself often, is this something I would say in the presence of that person? Mm-hmm. You know, if I was with that person face-to-face, or even if I'm saying something about someone else, would I be comfortable saying that if they were in my presence? And and that's, you know, partially also the the test of whether we're slandering an individual as mm-hmm. well. Um, but uh, we, uh, you know, we want to be careful about um, our speech and, and, uh, and keep mindful that even more important than whether a person's in our presence or not is to remember that Christ is always in our presence. Yeah. And, and so we want to be God honoring with, um, you know, we want to be Christ honoring in, in our speech, regardless of what the situation is and realize that, you know, when we're tempted to be more belligerent or, or verbally um, abusive, I would even say, um, that's reflective of what's inside of our heart. And we've got to we, we've got to keep check of that. And that's where the fruit of the spirit, these tests, we have to continue to doing that, whether we're with someone in person or whether we're with someone virtually. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we all fail at times in those areas, um, but we we can't pretend that we don't, right? And I think um, it—you you mentioned a really good thing to do. Ask yourself whether or not you would say whatever it is you're about to type, right, um, on social media, whatever the platform is. Would you say that to the person uh, in person? And then I would just add the next question would be: Should you, right? Because a lot of guys yeah. might say, "Well, yeah, of course I'd say it just like that." Well, then, then the next question is: Should you? say it like that in person. Right. Um, and I think we forget, we tend, and I'm really bad about this. I, I tend to be a bit of a reductionist, um, you know, minimize things down to plain black and white. And that's for a lot of things that's appropriate and that's fine. Um, but we tend to forget, um, that there are a lot of things in play behind what people say and why they say it, especially on social media, right? We never have really, the big picture of what's going on. And you can just have um, lack a little bit of information, which changes your perspective and makes really your perspective untrue, right? Or just approach it from an angle that it isn't, um, it, it just isn't, it doesn't capture the reality of what's going on. And so you can respond in a harsh way, uh, or a harsher way than you should, and actually you're in the wrong because you don't have this other information. That's really easy to forget. Um, you know, I, I know I fail in that way uh, oftentimes because so many issues these days really do seem to come down to just black and white things. But even with that, uh, there, there's a gentleness that we should exhibit when we're um, you know, dealing with brothers and sisters, especially when we're dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and especially with those who are otherwise have a track record of being solid, faithful brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ, right? Yeah, we, we want to give people the benefit of the doubt, and, and especially those who we know are faithful in other areas. And, and you're right. I mean, there are a lot of truths I agree with you. They're black and white. I mean, we talk about Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's black and white. Either you believe it or you don't. Um, but oftentimes, we'll come across something that we make it black and white, but 
there actually may be nuance depending upon the situation that that's uh, being described. And there are times where we see people adding nuance where they really are black and white. And it just requires a lot of wisdom and, and a lot of care and, you know, wh- wanting to understand more um, about what a person means. And especially on Twitter, someone will say something and they'll say it in a way that we wouldn't have said it. Um, but mm-hmm. then, you know, we'll jump to the wrong conclusion. But then after you talk it out some more, you find out that you're really on the same page. It was just a choice of different choice of words, right? People using words in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens quite a lot, I think. Um, and so we have to be mindful of, of those things. Um, yeah. So again, gentleness. Um, I, I mean, there, I think I, I, we mentioned Dustin Binge multiple times, right? I, I mean, I want to use right, two, yeah. two guys as an example here. And this is not to, uh, neither one of these guys will probably hear this podcast. So it, it's not to puff up their head, although I hope, I, I hope uh, they might. But Dustin Binge, if you're not following him on Twitter, you should. Um, yeah. He is a wonderful brother in the Lord, but he constantly and, and is one of the most consistent guys, I think, that exhibits a spirit of gentleness in his writing on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when we th- when we talk about gentleness and and the synonym being meekness, let's let's talk about this for a moment because a lot of Christians will say, you know, am I just to be supposed to be a doormat and then just let people walk all over me and and be a victim everywhere, you know? And, and there's there's a problem with even thinking that way to begin with. But when we talk about gentleness and and meekness, especially, um, what we're talking about the the fact that you have power that you're restraining. Um, you have maybe some some sort of authority or right that you're restraining, and I've heard it described as power under control. Mm. You know, so Jesus Christ often described himself this way, and we know at any given time he could have snapped the finger and brought a legion of angels to yeah. destroy everyone who stood against him. But he didn't do that, and and so he, even though he had the authority and the power to um, call upon the angels to bring that kind of judgment, um, he exercised restraint, and he exercised restraint for a good reason. And so for us. To be meek and and gentle um, is to recognize that, you know, sometimes we could um, lash out and we might even be justified uh, to rebuke or lash out. Um, but there are but there are a lot of times where it's better for us to restrain ourselves. Um, and, and that's what it is to be meek and gentle. It's it's not about being a doormat. It's not about just mm-hmm. letting people take advantage of you. Um, but it is recognizing that you don't need to um, to to exercise your full power and authority in every single situation. In fact, in most cases, I would recommend that you don't unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when we talk about um, this particular word gentleness here, we can see it used in a couple different areas of life in Scripture. Um, we see it used as uh, yielding to God's will, right? Um, as is meekness there. We see it in being considerate for others, which is mostly what we've been talking about, um, right? And then we see it in the form of being teachable, right? Being being humble and being able to learn from others. So there, there are several different areas in which this would apply to, and it looks a little bit different in each of those areas, but certainly a big one is giving consideration to, to others. Um, it's probably the one that we see uh, our failings the most if, yeah, if, if yeah. we look, right? Um, and so, yeah, and, and Dustin Binge is a good example of that one in particular. Yes. You know, another uh, guy that I really, really appreciate, and I know you do too, who exhibits these things, and I think in all three areas that we can see is John MacArthur, Dr. MacArthur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, you and, and you see this restraint in him. He has, I mean, it. it is a known fact 
that Dr. MacArthur does not go on the defense uh, for himself, right? right. Um, you, you think of all these uh, Julie Ro- uh, Roy's reports and nonsense right. that are, you know, just bringing false accusation against him. I mean, he's had wave and wave of this during his whole ministry, right? And he does not have the habit of attacking back and defending himself. Right. Um, you know, and then if you've ever met him in person, it, I mean, he is yeah. the... I, he is, I, I don't want to say, he's just, he's kind of like your grandfather, um, like this very old, wise, gentle, loving guy. Um, and no one would accuse him of being a doormat, right? No, no. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we know John to be firm with the truth. Um, he's never been anything but firm with the truth um, in his preaching, but very rarely do you see him go on the attack. You're absolutely right. Um, he, he will address things if he's asked directly about it. And even when we think back to his statement about Beth Moore, that was a question that was propped up to him um, by Todd Friels. And as I understood it, he wasn't told ahead of time that that question was mm-hmm. coming up. Um, so if he's asked directly, he'll, he'll provide a response. Um, but you're right. It, at Grace Community Church, and I know this uh, from a direct experience interacting with the people who, you know, who um, are over the phone lines of people that are calling in, John gets a lot of harsh criticism from people over the phone, over email, through letters, and all that. And and John has has been a model for many of us. That as you, you said it perfectly, we're not to defend ourselves. Um, let um, let others defend us if they feel that they ought to, and and otherwise, just let your ministry um, speak uh, speak for itself. So yeah, John is um, John exhibits this uh, very much. He has a tremendous amount of influence just because he's been so faithful for so long. But um, I don't believe that he is one who has ever abused that influence. And Dustin Benj, like you said, his, his tweets, um, always edifying. And, um, and, and even he'll, he'll often tweet um, kind of like a subtweet in response to things that he sees going on. Um, but when he subtweets, he's not subtweeting to insult. He's, he's subtweeting to re- remind us what are the godly principles that are involved here. He's really re- there to, yeah. to edify us. And in our lives, we, we know th- what's the opposite of gentleness? Well, it's harshness. And I, I can tell you that very rarely does harshness achieve change in other people. Uh, very rarely does harshness lead to peace between people. Um, when there's something that needs to be um, where peace needs to be brought about, gentleness is always better. It is always better every single time. And and we and we appreciate and we recognize godliness in people that show gentleness, not in people who show um, harshness. And I think anyone listening to this, you've been around godly people. Um, people have been in the faith for a long time. I think you can see this. You 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 know this to be true just in your experiences with them. Yeah, absolutely. And. It- and we're not saying that these guys are perfect. Obviously, that should you know go without saying. Um, but you know, even you're talking about how we respond to people. I mean, even Scripture teaches us that a, a gentle answer right turns away wrath. Um, right. And and so we we have this just in in multiple places in Scripture. Um, and and I think one of the I think one of the struggles is when when you look at societies and you see lawlessness increase, um, it, you tend to always see a rising up in the opposite, right? And when you have a very um, lawless society, you tend to see guys rise up 
who, and, and I think God, appropriately, God's doing a lot of this, but we can take everything overboard, right? So, you have guys who, you know, God raises up who love the truth, who love law um, yeah. in, in its proper place. But then the tendency is to go beyond, right? Um, when you have a society who uses love as casually and as haphazardly as yeah, ours does, right, right. Right. You get guys who, in a well-meaning way, try to combat that. But then the tendency is to go and to the harsh side, which is also an error. Um, and, and so we have to be conscious of that. And so we can most certainly, I mean, we, we go back to I, Jesus is the perfect example. Right. Um, he said some very hard things yeah. for humans to hear. Uh, he was very confrontational at times. Yeah. Um, he. I mean, he whipped people out of the temple, um, it consumed with a passion for his father's house, all those things yeah. appropriate in the context. And yet he was never without the, um, the perfect characteristics of being gentle and being loving and being kind. Um, and, and so we can look at those things and there are appropriate times, uh, you know, to exhibit a more hard attitude towards something. Um, yeah, that's that, that's a that's a really great point, and, and I'm reminded that uh, both he and John the Baptist, when they um, met with the Pharisees, they called them um, "you serpents, you brood of vipers," right? And I think of Matthew chapter 23, where you have at least seven statements of woes, uh, woe to scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. He repeats that over and over again. And then we think of um, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter one, when he says, uh, "If anyone is to bring to you a gospel contrary to what we have brought to you, let him be accursed." Mm -hmm. Right. So we. Do do see harsh language and and uh, and and harsh kind of words being um, being uh, being given out there. But when we look at those situations, um, they were against people that were distorting the truth of God. Mm -hmm. And and we know that from Romans one eighteen, all unbelievers do that to some extent. We see that the the truth is being suppressed. But really, I, I see the harshest words and the harshest condemnation towards those who pretend to be representatives of mm -hmm. God, pretend to be proclaimers of the gospel or proclaimers of the good news or proclaimers of God's word, and yet they're twisting it and distorting it. And all, all that to say this, and last night I, I had um, a wonderful dinner with a couple from our church, and, and we got into this conversation as well. You, you know, you, there are people that kind of have an opinion on everything, you know, and, and they make their opinion known about everything. And one of the things I like to tell people is that it's not wrong to have an opinion on everything, um, but make sure that try, try not to express the same force behind every single opinion. Um, because if you express the same force behind every single opinion, when you make every opinion seem like it's a life and death thing, or it's mm -hmm. this way or the highway, um, then the things that are really important start to blend in with everything else. You know, and, and I think a good example is, for instance, uh, politics. So mm -hmm. I have to fight the temptation of not getting into political debates and political discussions. Now, I, I do think that there has been a partial failure on Christians to ignore politics altogether um, because there's a lot that has been happening, you know, with the leftist um, ideologies and, and, of course, the, um, the abortion, the, the pro-murder mm -hmm. um, growth in attitudes that uh, we've seen in society. I think there's been a failure in that. But... There are many times where I bite my tongue or even on Twitter, I just say, you know what, I'm not going to get into that um, when, I, when I see things like that. Because when we start to make really strong stands, we'd rather have those strong stands be connected to the gospel and to spiritual realities 
than to things that the world is getting caught up in. Because ultimately, yeah. we know that th- this world is, is going to pass away. And there's going to be a new heavens and new earth that, that God is going to establish. That's not to say that we ignore the, the, the needs of this world, that we don't act as light and salt. We do. Um, but if, if everything becomes critical, then nothing is critical. Yeah. And, and so, we, we have to pick and choose where we're going to really take the strongest stand. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, brother. And uh, it, l- let me just give a very real example of two very hot issues in the political arena that I think, uh, and I'm going to speak to uh, both of these in depth, but just to give an example, right? Um, let, let's take the issue of vaccines, right? Yeah. W- wherever you are on that page, um, and then take the issue of abortion. Those are two totally different issues yes. for the Christian. Yeah. Um, there is no room, no room at all. Um, for the acceptance of the murder of preborn children uh, in the Christian life. None whatsoever. Um, we can't excuse it. We can't be okay with it. Um, you know, we want as believers uh, to see, you know, the sanctity of life valued. Um, we want to see the abolition of, of, of abortion, right? Right. Um, yeah. No room for that. That is a hill to die on because we are talking about innocent children who are literally being ripped apart in the womb it should be um gory and it should make us angry uh, because that's what it is right um but then you have the issue of vaccine totally different um no matter where you are on vaccine what side you take it's not the same life and death issue um yes it involves perceived freedoms it involves government overreach possibly uh there are a lot of other things that we should be you know we should talk about and have discussions around there are things i think that are legitimate concerns um Mm -hmm. but when we speak about those two issues in the political arena we don't speak with the same force right that they're they're different Uh, a believer cannot uh be faithful and true to scripture and support abortion Right. Um, You you don't have to like it, um, but there is nothing detrimental about your faith and walk in Christ, regardless of where you see the vaccine. Right. We may not agree with one another, but that is not an issue of your faith. Abortion and the support of that, however, very much is um, an issue of of our faith. So just an example I think that's that, that's really a great point. And, and when it comes to, and, and I'll take that example one step further. So when you talk about the vaccine, um, depending upon whether you're for or against the vaccine, um, you're going to argue based upon what's going to be better for us physically, right? I mean, so people have died of COVID um, and I think people are dying because of the vaccine as well. Are the numbers equal? I'm not even going to get into that. Um, whether they're equal or whether they're being properly represented, whatnot, I'm not going to get into that. But I, I will say this, that I be, believe that people who are, pro-vaccine um, do believe there is a minimum uh, that that risk is being minimized by taking the vaccine. So it is life and death in that sense. And those who are against the vaccine will argue the other way that it's introducing unnecessary risks and whatnot. And, and so it's actually better not to take the vaccine, rely upon, you know, our body functions and all that. And, and there's a lot of narratives that would, that would go into, mm-hmm. into both, but it's not a spiritual issue. I, I think that's really the issue that we're getting at is that um, going one way or the other uh, has no bearing on whether you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I think there are a lot of Christians who are pro-vaccine as well as Mm -hmm. um, against the vaccine um, who are all saved. They're all part of the same family of God. So what we we do want to be very careful um, about making that into um, a a first-order issue. But to your point, when it comes to abortion, um, that is a a willing act of murder of the unborn. 
Um, that is no longer about the risk of a virus or whether um, the the cure is better than the disease or or what. Yeah. That's th- those are willing decisions being made by individuals and and really stemming from um, a desire for sexual immorality, sexual freedom, um, basically rebellion uh, against God, and and to be able to live without consequences for poor decisions being made, yeah. and the price of that being the 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 innocent um, unborn in in the woman's uh, in the woman's womb. So uh, that's you're absolutely right. If we speak with the same force on both issues, then both issues look like they have equal weight and they don't. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. And so we just keep that in mind, you know, uh, as we interact with others and we, and, and again, we, we all have times where we, I'm sure if we all went back through our Twitter feeds or our Instagrams yeah. or you know, whatever else is out there these days, um, we could find those places where we think, Hmm, maybe I should delete that. <laughs> um, yeah. And and that, and that's good that we recognize that, but uh, we should just be conscious of that moving forward. And I, and I think, you know, my suspicion, uh, just given how human nature is, uh, how sin works in our lives, this will be something that we battle for the rest of our lives, given the way society is going. Right, um, as lawlessness increases, the the temptation to become harder and harsher. Uh, yeah. To combat that w- will likely be at the forefront, uh, and so we just need to be mindful of that. Um, yeah, so social media has made that a lot harder because we have exposure to more people than ever before. And not only that, but there are a lot of trolls out there. There are a lot of trolls out there whose only um, only purpose in interacting with you is not to have a real conversation, um, but it's basically to mock you or, or to try to. Um, make you look like a fool, or, or just to irritate you, uh, you know. And they're and that's all they do. They they just keep coming coming after you. And 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 with this kind of exposure, which is really unnatural, um, but with this kind of exposure, we we mm-hmm. do have to be much more careful because everything we say is it, it's there. It's it's always there. Someone has a record of it. Yep. Don't feed the trolls. It's yeah. a good motto. Well, the next one, brother, is I mean, goes right along with a lot of what we talked about already, and which is the last one in our list here is self control. Um, man, I yeah, this is a big one, and we again on social media we see uh, this all the time. I think this is a good place to make the comment. I, I don't that we haven't talked about this before, but I don't actually believe anyone can make you mad. Um, I think there are two categories of being angry. I think there is righteous anger, which is um, actually born out of the spirit of God in us against those things which God utterly detests and hates and is appropriate. And then I think the other anger stems from our own lack of Um, Mm self-control, right? People can say or do whatever they want to, but ultimately it's uh, where you are in your self-control that determines whether you blow up as it were or not. Um, So someone can't make me mad. Uh, I can allow myself to get angry. Sometimes it's appropriate and sometimes it's because I'm lacking self-control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Pastors who have done enough counseling, um, we run into this quite often where we're counseling someone and they're talking about how this person made me mad and, and uh, this situation made me mad and these circumstances made us mad. And um, one of the things that we know for certain is you're around certain people that you know are more provokers, they're provocateurs, right? They they know your buttons and mm-hmm. they, they will willingly push your buttons because they want to make you mad. And obviously, that's not a very godly trait either. But what I often tell Christians um, is that um, we really shouldn't have any buttons. There, there should be no buttons that people can push that they know will make us, make us upset. Um, because there's really nothing worth being upset about in this world. Um, I, I think 
Now, when we talk about righteous anger, um, if God is being dishonored, if God is being misrepresented, mm-hmm. I think those are the times where you saw the Apostle Paul, where you saw Peter, where you saw Jesus Christ um, really taking a firm stand. And, and that's when I think we want to reserve um, our strongest mm-hmm. responses to is to really um, speak against those who are twisting and distorting uh, the truth and, and confusing people about, you know, the truth of, of God and Jesus Christ and, and the gospel. Um, but yes, yeah, self-control, uh, and this stretches to more than just that. We have talked about just in gentleness, and you can see how that relates to self-control. But in all aspects of life, I think you can see the difference between someone who is self-controlled versus someone who is not self-controlled. And the idea, it's its not just anger. Anger is one of those um, easy examples, but it's in all aspects of, of mm-hmm. a person's walk that they're just driven by their desires. And I think about Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked after the prince of the power of the air, um, after the course of this world. But then it says, and we too, in verse 3, and we too all lived according to the lusts and desires of our, of our flesh. And so I believe when you think about the opposite of self-control, it's being characterized by someone that's simply driven by what it is that you want, um, regardless of whether it's good for you or not. Yeah. And I mean, in just in the next two verses, I mean, even in our passage here, he deals with that, right? So, uh, 24 says, now to those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh right there with its passions and desires. Um, And so, you know, you hit the nail on the head. We're really just talking about restraining yourself from, yeah, the, the fleshly passions and desires that we have. You know, we are all tempted um, to live at least in part the life that we had before. I mean, Paul talks about this, the warring between the spirit and the flesh. So, n- none of us get away from that at no. all. Um, w- we have different areas that we battle in or that we're tempted. Sometimes the temptation is maybe what we would consider minor. It's easier to overcome. Other times it's more difficult. It can be anything from pride to, I mean, just whatever. Um, but, you know, this is you know, self-control is being able to um, discipline yourself to flee from those things. Yes, um, exactly. I think a good a, a good right. example of, of self-control, it, just a good picture in scripture is Joseph, right? Um, the the temptation with, yeah. was it uh, Potiphar's wife? Um, I mean, he fled. Yes. Right? And, and that was how he exercised self-control yeah. and wisdom and a lot of other things, right? Um, and, and we should do that. And, you know, self-control is, I mean, you want, if you want to look at a strong, powerful man, you you will see a man who exercises self-control on a regular basis. Um, that strength and power is being able to exercise real strength and power, right? Uh, We're talking about, um, godly spiritual uh, is exercising self-control. You don't have to, but you do out of love for Christ primarily and for others around you. Yeah, I think Joseph is a great example um, because a lot of people don't realize that from the time that he was sold into slavery by his brothers to the time that he got out of prison and was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and then was elevated to second in command, that was 13 years in between. And the incident with Potiphar's wife, I mean, think about this. He, he was fleeing from that sin, and then he gets accused of the very sin that he was fleeing from. And not only is he accused of the very sin that he was fleeing from, he was accused by the one that wanted to commit that sin mm-hmm. in the first place. 
you know, and so that took a lot of um, patience on his part, um, because I think a lot of us would have gotten upset, we would have lost control. And from that point forward, we would just been, you know, angry and, uh, and bitter towards everything and, and everyone. But after that, you see that he's put into prison and it says that God was with him. He earned favor with the warden um, of that jail. They left him in charge in, uh, of his area of the prison. He ended up uh, interpreting the dreams of t- uh, two other prisoners. One of them got away, was, was not got away, but was um, let go um, and restored. And the other one um, was executed. Um, so Joseph maintained his testimony even afterwards, even knowing that he yeah. was wrongly accused of the very sin that he did everything to run away from. But I, that right there shows self-control and, and self-control, quite honestly, now that I think about it, as I'm thinking through Joseph's example, it requires a lot of trust. God mm-hmm. and, and recognition that God is ultimately in control. We yeah. have self-control <laughs> because God is in control of all that goes on around us. Yeah, and that's a good point. Again, this is fruit of the Spirit, right? So, this is not the type of thing that you can just do on your own. Um, It's why Paul gives us all the illustrations about how we lived, um, you know, for our lusts and towards our lusts before Christ, and now we've been set free for those things. How should should we who have been set free from sin still live in our sin? Um, Making the point that now you have, right, all the fruit of the spirit, one of one of which is in self-control, and so we have the ability to overcome uh, these things. And certainly, if we should fall to temptation, we have the gift of repentance, um, and and we can walk through that and and get up and move forward. Um, again, the the very next verse, he just it's a it's like a, a mockingbird. Um, he just repeats it again, the same thing. If we live by the spirit, let's follow the spirit as well. Again, um, just kind of reiterating that we no longer belong to all of those things that he listed just before the fruit of the spirit, right? Um, The strife, the anger, the envy, the drunkenness, all of those uh, fleshly traits that he lists in uh, what, 19 through 21. Um, So, those are no longer to characterize our lives, but uh, rather the fruit of the spirit is. Um, and truly, I think uh, on our first episode, so this is the three, we talked about how really if our aim is to love, um, then we, we will encapsulate all of these things, right? If we really do seek to yeah. aim to love God, um, and, and Jesus said, you love me if you obey my commandments, and so if our heart is to obey Christ and live and walk by the word, then we will see these things uh, play out in our lives. If our aim is to love our neighbor, right? In the, biblically, not the way the world says we love our neighbor, but biblically, um, there's just no way you can pursue yeah. a life of submitting to God's will and God's ways and God's uh, desires for us and desiring to see that in the lives of those around us, loving our neighbors. Um, there's no way you can do that without exhibiting these uh, characteristics in our life. In fact, every believer has them, right? Because we have the spirit of God. Right. Yeah. And I think about Jesus Christ when he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, um, he is to um, deny himself, bear his cross and follow me. And so we understand that salvation for us is easy because we bring nothing to the table. We contribute nothing to our own salvation except the sin that made it necessary. 
Um, but we also recognize that once we follow Christ, we're giving our life to him and we're following him. And so getting saved requires nothing, um, but our walk after that is going to be hard. And I think about the central commandment in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which mm -hmm. you have been called. And he goes on to describe in chapters 4, 5, and 6 what that entails. But at the end of chapter 6, what does he end on? He ends on the spiritual war, the, the, uh, the armor of God that we must put on. And even before introducing the armor of God, one of the first things he says is that we must stand firm against the schemes of Satan. Mm -hmm. Listen, Satan is more powerful than us. Satan knows more than us. I'm not saying he's omniscient, uh, but he knows the word of God um, and, and he knows how to attack us. He has schemes. Um, he knows what our temptations are and, and whatnot. And, and so we understand that our walk is, is against uh, standing against the attacks of principalities and dominions and, and the, the powers and, and rulers of, of the spiritual realm. Um, so all this really just requires us to walk in the spirit, to trust in God, trust in the, the power of God. And it all requires that self-control, as, as we mentioned, and, and walking by the spirit. But there's one other thing I want to point out. The end of verse 23, after we have talked about the various um, aspects of the fruit of the spirit, it says, against such things, there is no law. Now, that's, that's a statement that I think we gloss over too easily. You know, I, I believe what Paul is saying here is that, look, there is, if you are exhibiting these traits, there is no law that, that says you should only exhibit to a certain degree or that there are certain situations that you shouldn't exhibit them. Um, there is no law restricting this kind of behavior. You will never be condemned for showing and, and exhibiting these fruit uh, of the Spirit. Um, so, uh, with almost everything else, um, you know, we talk about moderation, we talk about, uh, you know, having the, the right time and, and purpose for, for doing certain things. But when it comes to the fruit of the spirit, there is no restrictions. There is no law mm -hmm. against, um, against those traits that we've talked about. Yeah. And I, you know, I think another good point is just, we don't need external laws if you're exhibiting these things. I mean, the reason we have laws are for lawbreakers, right? Uh, for those who do not have the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, another thing to, to bring up, we, and we, we heard a lot of, we've been hearing a lot of this whole, the world's watching kind of uh, jargon, uh, which came out of the SBC convention. And, and I only mentioned that not to hit on that, although we'll probably do that at some stage, but it's important that uh, yeah. I think we realize we look at all of these things and we think, okay, um, you know, really and truly my, my heart is to serve God, to love God, to follow God, um, to be obedient to his word, to, to love my brothers and sisters and my neighbors as, um, as I ought to. Um, and, and then the temptation comes, I think, naturally, uh, that if we are doing these things well and right, I think the natural temptation is to believe that we're going to be liked and accepted by the world because we're kind, we're gentle, we're, yeah. you know, exercising all this thing, all, all these things. And uh, that, that was really what's come out of a lot of this whole, well, the world's watching. Let's not do anything that might cause us to um, upset the world, uh, th that might cause worldly people to not like us. And I, I just would like to remind everyone, I think here, you go to John 15, if you want to see the real response. Um, that the world will have if you truly exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, this is going to be the response you get. Uh, John 15, 18, yeah. if the world hates you, you know that it, is, it has hated me before it has hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, 
but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Um, that, that is the response. Obviously, Christ didn't lack in any of the fruit of the Spirit, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, without sin, completely. Um, and the response was crucify him, right? And so when, when we are walking right. in the things of God, when we are exhibiting true godly gentleness, uh, self-control, love, patience, all of these things, we need to understand that the response we're going to get and that we should expect is one of animosity and hatred because they're confronted with these holy things of God, what we're not going to see is love and acceptance of the world. And that's okay because we're not of the world, but we need to remember that. So we're not trying to earn the world's affection. We don't care in some sense that the world's watching. We care that God's watching. Um, the world should know us for our love, yeah. but for our love for one another, scripture says. And so we just need to be mindful of Amen. what the, the real um, consequences will be, and it's going to be that the world hates us. After that statement was made at the conference that the world is watching, um, I made a statement that, yes, indeed, the world is watching, but not in the way that they say they are. Um, the way they suggest it is um, for us to want to do what is pleasing to the world, whereas when I tell people the world is watching, I'm saying the world is watching to see if your faith is legitimate. And we saw a little bit of a taste of that because when SermonGate kind of broke loose, mm -hmm. we had a secular newspaper actually reporting on the whole Sermon Gates scandal. So yes, the world is watching. And in this case, I, I believe it's a travesty that the, um, the, the de denomination president, the SBC president, is now being known for not just plagiarizing one sermon, but actually plagiarizing quite a few, and with several others that were taken offline. And the assumption there, or at least the easy assumption there, may not be a true assumption, it may be false, but the, it makes it too easy to assume that a lot of those sermons were probably mm -hmm. plagiarized as well. And so in that case, yeah, the world is watching. You are a shepherd. You have a responsibility to shepherd the flock to be in the word, to share your convictions with the flock and to apply the word to their um, specific um, walk as, as, mm -hmm. as a church body, which is unique from church to church. Um, but when you're not doing that and you're simply copying someone else's work, yeah, I mean, the world's going to take notice of that because that doesn't seem like something that a Christian ought to do. So that is a case where, yeah, the world is watching to see if our faith is legitimate, not so much that we care about pleasing them, but we certainly want to keep our walk uh, clear before them. So, First Peter chapter three verse um, sixteen says, "Keep a good conscience, so that in the thing which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame." So, we always want to be sure that even if the world is mocking us and making fun of us, and they will, but they're mocking us and making fun of us for actually our faithfulness to God and yeah. not our faithlessness. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's got to be the thing. And so just let that, you know, these verses. And again, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. It's important to remember, but let the world hate us, not because of the wrong stuff we do. Just like you said, if the world hates us, it ought to be because we so reflect Christ that it condemns their life and their rejection of um, the glories of Christ that are around them. So, 
uh, hope that this podcast has been useful for you guys. Uh, we will pick up next week. You don't want to miss that. We'll talk about some of these things in the SBC and kind of bring in um, the fruits of the spirit into that whole sermon gate issue and just uh, talk about that. So that'll be an, an exciting episode, I'm sure. But uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Feel free to email us. You can do that at truthbeknownpodcast.com. Um, we'd love to hear you know if this podcast has blessed you in any way. If you have any testimonies or you just want us to pray for you, we'd love to do that. So until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.